You're listening to the Bro Storm Sports Podcast. This week, we hit on some NFL takeaways, talk about analytics, and give you our best bets, as always. Scott's going to say a few big words. I'll make fun of him a bit. And for the ladies, we hit on Tom Brady at the end. Stay with us throughout. Thanks for listening. Welcome into Bro Storm Sports. It's Monday, October 10th. The Chiefs just got done beating the Raiders, and I'm your host, Sasha Bushka. I'm joined by my brother, Scott Bushka, who's probably going to say he's super passionate about something at some point in the episode, and I'll be making fun of him on the inside, but we'll keep that to ourselves. We're also joined by intern P. He beat Scott in no less than 10 beer pong games over the weekend. How are we doing today, fellas? What's up, fellas? I'm, I'm doing pretty amazing. Chiefs just beat the Raiders in what was an amazing Sunday night game, aside from the terrible officiating, which is a theme we'll get into today, I think. And I spent the, as you guys know, because I was with you, I spent the weekend back in Wichita for, I don't want to date myself too much, but for my 20th high school reunion, shout out to BCCHS, class of 2002. Uh, And other than that, spent all weekend whooping intern P's ass in beer pong, which is pretty sweet. So you've already said something that's contradictory, contradictory, excuse me, you crown and coax tonight, contradictory to the in, <laughs> intro. Intern P, how do you feel about that? Yeah, as you saw, Sasha, I did probably win nine out of 10 games. I think you got me on one, but other than that, I'll give you the one. It's fine with me. If that's what you want to say. But how did your bets do? I mean, I had the Raiders tonight. I'm not going to, I had the Raiders tonight. We'll, we'll get into good. that a little bit on our best bets segment, but uh, obviously, I referenced it in the intro, but Chiefs get a win tonight, 30 to 29 over the Raiders. And it's it's not without controversy. Obviously, there's a play at the end of the first half. Chris Jones sacks Derek Carr. Uh, he forces a fumble, which obviously makes it like a live loose ball, anyways. And he also tries to levitate over him like they want you to. And they call roughing the passer, anyways. The Raiders end up with a field goal instead of the Chiefs getting the ball going the other way. The Chiefs kind of salvaged the situation by getting a field goal before halftime anyways, uh, but not a good look for the NFL, especially on the heels of the Tom Brady situation on Sunday. Yeah, I um, based on my math, which is generally pretty solid, um, although after this weekend it may not be, that was, a, I would say, at least a 10-point swing. If the Chiefs had lost the game as a Chiefs fan, I would have been furious. Um, but it fed into to, to what you said is it was a broader theme around the NFL, which is just, I would say, player safety going to the extreme, which I, I feel like, I mean, this is something that's been brewing for, to be honest, years in the NFL. But I feel like, obviously, the, the, two, the two concussion situation, which has now led to the two a rule um, in the NFL, which we've seen put into effect, which is a good thing, I think is now affecting the way that that NFL referees are calling other things on the field, particularly protecting the quarterback and roughing the passer. And it's getting, it's, it's getting to the point where defensive linemen can't pressure the quarterback. That play was ridiculous. Chris Jones had the ball and just basically fell down on top of Derek Carr and got called for roughing the passer. The Grady Jarrett one was maybe slightly better, but also equally as bad. And these are, these are affecting the way games play out. So I had three kind of big themes for the weekend in the NFL and 
and actually none of them involved anything that happened. Um, well, they involved things that happened on the field, but none of them involved who won and lost. And this this was one of them, which is just the NFL's got to get how they're officiating roughing the passer under, under control because it's it's becoming a you know basically like a laughing joke on on Twitter, you know NFL Twitter and, and elsewhere where people follow the NFL. Yeah, I mean the NFL probably doesn't hate it that much because people talking about their league throughout the week, even when games aren't going on. Uh, but I was sitting there watching the Chiefs game with a friend, and I mean if that Derek Carr play happens right at the end of the game, like the Tom Brady one did. It's a whole nother conversation that people are up in arms about. Cause you saw an arrowhead. They booed for damn near two more quarters anyways. And we're chanting refs. You suck and bullshit and all that. But the, the larger conversation is, or what my friend said is, should we review roughing the passer? Like, should it be a reviewable play? Dude, I don't know why. I have no idea why you wouldn't. And I was thinking the same thing um, right after that play. Is like I don't know why roughing the passer wouldn't immediately QA, send it to New York, and let them review it, and they can overturn a shitty call. Well, it's funny because later in the game, there was a play where I think it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling caught a ball. He rolled on the ground, and then he got back up and ran for like four or five more yards, and they originally marked it as a first down. And then they just called in and were like, he got touched while he was on the ground. We're moving it back five yards. Nobody challenged. Nothing happened. So if you can do that on that play, why can't you do that on any play, particularly roughing the passer? Yeah, I don't. I was trying to look up the name of the crew. Oh, I think it's uh, Carl Sheffers. Like that that crew is just generally terrible. And that that guy as a, as a referee is a joke. Um, that It was bad. I mean... It was bad all the way around tonight in the Chiefs game, right? You had the holding call on the field goal. You had a clear hold on Chris Jones at the start of that last drive, which they just blatantly didn't call. I mean, thank goodness they got that Devontae Adams call right at the end of the game. So the officiating was just bad. But back to where we started with the point, like I, the, the league, ha- it seems like an easy solve for the league to just be able to review this and change it if it's like the play that happened tonight with Chris Jones. Yeah, it, it would seem easy, but sometimes simple things uh, don't always get implemented right away, and it's something that the rules committee will probably look at. Um, yeah, I just don't. I mean, maybe they will. I just I don't think the NFL can wait till the end of the season. Yeah. Because it's getting a little ridiculous. Yeah. I know you took extensive notes in preparation for this, Scott. So what was your second biggest takeaway on the NFL weekend? I had um, I had three takeaways this weekend from from the NFL and and like I said, I was pretty fired up to be able to watch some of the games live with you guys. One of the three was was that comment just around the the player safety roughing the passing penalties. The other two were just commentaries around trends I'm seeing in the game, which I think are super interesting and and quite honestly, like leading to a bunch of weird results that we're seeing on the field. Um, and the first one is just the like the running revolution. Running is back in the NFL, like too too high shell. And the, quite honestly, the way that people ch- played the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes last year has completely changed how you win in the NFL. I think like I, I'm gonna call it the like I would just say the Patrick Mahomes effect, but it's really I think it's the Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen effect 
people started playing too high shell against the Chiefs last year. It completely flustered Andy Reid, one of the greatest offensive play callers of all time, and Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, for half, for essentially half a season. You start this year, and everyone is playing that defense. And so, so let me read. I, I'm going to read some of these numbers off to you. Austin Eckler ran for 163 yards in the Browns Chargers game. Nick Chubb in the same game ran for 134 yards. Um, Taysom Hill, who's a, I guess technically a tight end, ran for 110 yards. Jeff Wilson for the Niners ran for 120 20 yards. Cowboys and the Rams. Pollard ran for 86. Elliott ran for 78. Josh Jacobs ran for 154 tonight, which they didn't win, but that's essentially the reason that they came pretty damn close to winning. Um, the, like, and this is where you're going to make fun of me, but but through five weeks of 2020, passionate about two high shells. I am not. I'm not super passionate about two high shells. I'll get to something I'm passionate about later. But through five weeks of 2022, I know it's small sample size. There's 11 teams averaging five yards a rush. Um, five yards per rush and there's 11 teams averaging over 130 rushing yards per game right so 11 teams over five rushing yards per attempt and 11 teams over 130 rushing yards per game in 2021 there was three teams that averaged over five yards per rush so three versus 11 and five teams over 130 rushing yards per game versus 11 and in 2020 same thing three teams that averaged five yards per rush and so Teams are rushing the ball at a higher rate than we've seen in a lot of years um, and at a, at a much more successful clip than we've seen in a lot of years. And it's leading it like this is why the Giants beat the Packers. This is why the Cowboys are four and one without Doc, Dak Prescott. Um, I, you know, I could go I could go down the list. This is why the Falcons were close against the against the Bucks between like before a bullshit um, call at the end of the game. The Patriots beat the Lions 29 to zero with Bailey Zappi playing quarterback, completing like a hundred yards. Like there's all this wonky stuff happening in these. Oh, sorry. Um, I forgot about this. This is why the Texans beat the Jaguars because I'm uh, Pierce is it is it Damian Pierce? Yeah. Say, Damian. Like, Damian Pierce. Yeah. Da- Damian Pierce ran for 99 yards against the Jaguars and essentially controlled that game. So I just think it's, it's finally a year where, defenses are fighting back and if you want to win you have to run the ball it's interesting because kind of the narrative after the first couple of weeks of the season is that just from a fantasy perspective because we all play fantasy football and a lot of our listeners do too was that all of the value in fantasy drafts came at the receiver position because no running backs were doing anything but i think what you're saying about the too high shell and the way defenses are playing has caused teams to adjust so they were playing that way the whole season but teams were used to hey we just drop back and pass every single play and so they weren't using the running backs the way they needed to and now teams are starting to adjust and it's the total rushing yards is interesting but way what's way more interesting is the yards per rush uh, because when they do run it's easier to run and I feel like teams like the Chiefs and maybe even the Bills too they have a, a year head start on like knowing how to attack that kind of defense, especially the Chiefs, because everybody did to Mahomes first. So it'll be interesting sure. to see how these other offensive minds adjust and uh I and whether or not teams are disciplined enough to stick with the run and win games that way. 
I mean, and this and this is also like last week we talked about all these like sixty percent of games so far have gone under. This is why, because because running slows down pace of play. Um, Runs the you know. clock. You worry more about scoring on your possession and keeping the team away instead of how many points can we can score. It's how many points can we score per possession? And there's less possessions in the game. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyways, I just I I was thinking about it while I was watching the games. We're getting all these results that people aren't expecting, um, and I think it's because there's a, there's almost like a fundamental shift in the league in terms of the way that teams are playing defense and the way that offenses are having having to respond. It's interesting because sometimes things don't happen as fast in football as you would expect. It's like teams have been passing the ball consistently and a lot and passing down the field for a long time. Like who came up? I always said this about the chiefs last year is like, nobody just invented the too high shell. Why, why all of a sudden can they not beat this defense? But teams were reluctant to play it because for the history of football, it was stop the run first, make teams pass on you. And then Patrick Mahomes comes along and he starts hitting 50 yard bombs and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, you know, Tom Brady's been doing it for a long time, but he starts throwing the ball down the field a lot more. Uh, and it's interesting to see the cat and mouse game for sure. Yeah. By the, by the way, I don't, I'm not sure we should spend a substantial amount of time on it, but Josh Allen has an absolute hose. Yeah. Agreed. What do you think about that intern P? It's got a cannon. I'm talking, I'm talking about his arm intern P. Oh, yeah. That's true. I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm glad you clarified that. Sometimes I get a little, I get a little lost out here sometimes. But dude, that Gabe Davis, he had two bombs. What was it? Ninety-eight yards or something? Like that's un, that doesn't happen. Yeah. I just think it's a Josh Allen effect, just like you said, the Patrick Mahomes effect. He's like, got a, it's a real Scott, thing. Let's, let's get one more takeaway and get out of this segment. And it, I, I think your last takeaway might be something I've been thinking about too. We'll see. Yeah, my so second takeaway is just the football analytics revolution leading coaches to do like some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen. This is why we were raised in the same household or maybe we were raised in the same household is why we knew. I knew that's what you were going to say. You knew what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I wrote this this morning before the game was played tonight and I thought it was, I thought it was stupid for Andy Reid to go for two um, after we, like when we went up by seven, because I knew if we missed that and, and, um, Las Vegas came down and scored, they were going to go for two, which thank goodness they, you know, they didn't score, but, and, and then I thought it was stupid for the Raiders to go. I mean, well, I thought it was less stupid because they're just, they're in Kansas city. They're trying to win the game, but you've got two, you know, two decisions again, like go for two versus taking, taking the point when you could have tied, right. Or you could have gone up eight. Um, but the couple decisions I had written down, Brandon Staley, who's a habitual dumbass offender in this category, um, went forward on fourth and two on his own 48 yard line with, uh, under two minutes left, didn't get it, gave the ball back to the Browns. Um, and they should have lost the game. The Cleveland kicker missed a field goal. That doesn't change the fact that it was a really stupid decision. Um, and Nat Hackett, I don't think he deserves to be called Nathaniel anymore. Nat Hackett, Denver Broncos coach for now, um, goes for it on fourth down twice, twice at the once at the end of regulation, once at the end of overtime. Um, instead of kicking easy field goals like with inside the twenty yard line, 
when the Colts literally, like there was zero chance the Colts were scoring a touchdown anywhere in that game. The game was 12 to nine. No one came close to scoring a touchdown all night. If it, it, Hackett could have kicked a field goal towards the end of regulation and you would have asked Matt Ryan, um, who I think at this point interim P throws better than Matt Ryan, you like you you would have had to ask Matt Ryan to go 80 yards in under two minutes. It never would have happened. Instead, he goes for it. They don't get it. Indy kicks the field goal and ties and it wins in overtime. Um, and then the last one, John Harbaugh, this actually ended up going in his favor. I don't like analytically, all the analytics people would say it was actually the wrong decision, right? But he goes for or he does not go for it on fourth and inches late in that game, kicks a field goal, um, which actually allowed them to win the game because they because they ended up going up six, um, which made the which made the Bengals go down for a touchdown. But they they have Justin Kicker, the best, right, the best kicker in the business who went down and scored after the fact. So he actually went against the analytics and it worked out. Not saying that was the right decision or the wrong decision. I just I just think like analytics should be an input, not the only input. And you like like the context of the game has to mean something, and I feel like all of these young hotshot coaches have lost a little bit of that um thinking. Yeah. I think you meant Nat can't hack it. First of all, if we're changing his name to Nat, uh, but I, I think all of those decisions are well. Are you trademarking that one, or do you steal that from someone too? Uh, I don't. I don't steal. Uh, I think all of those decisions are well documented. I'm not going to pick apart each one, uh, but I will talk a little bit about Andy Reid going for two at the end of the Chiefs game. I think that was influenced quite a bit because Andy Reid is not an analyst guy. He's old school. He makes decisions based on the game and. I, he usually is pretty conservative, actually, and analytics tends to skew more aggressive. But the kicker had literally just missed a field goal on that drive that got changed by a penalty that gave the Chiefs a first down. And on his last extra point, he doinked it off the upright. So I think Andy Reid's That's thought fair. process is there's probably only like a 75% chance he makes this extra point anyways. And if we make this two-point conversion, we're up nine points, two possessions, and we close out the game right here. Um, and if you miss it, yeah. If you miss it, you're up seven points. And theoretically, if the Raiders score a touchdown, they're just going to kick an extra point and tie you. If you're up eight, they could score a touchdown and make the two-point conversion and tie you. So it's just a matter of like, do you trust your offense or defense more? In that case, for the Chiefs, it's usually the answer is the offense. When you couple that with the fact that he has no trust in his kicking game right now because Harrison Butker has the longest ankle sprain of all time, uh, I think that's why Andy Reid made that decision. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's fair. I, I just think the whole analytics revolution oh, yeah. is leading to some it's leading to some wonky decision-making, and particularly in football, um, the context of what's happened for the previous 59 minutes I think is really important. Very wonky for sure. and. Um, I mean, the term analytics is perfect to have to frame this conversation because these decisions are analyzed so hard after the games that I think a lot of these coaches are in their own head. It's like, can I win the post-game press conference versus can I win the game? Can I justify this decision somehow to people in the media? Not whether or not what gives me the best chance to win the game. Yeah. Can so, I can I um can I give a couple other just like really because we didn't actually hit on like anything that teams did can i give can i give just a couple other quick like very quick hitters 
Yeah. Um, NFC East. Eagles four, Eagles five and zero. Cowboys four and one. Giants four and one. All attributable to what we talked about earlier, which is too high shell. They're all teams that are good in the trenches and can run the ball. So that's impressive. Uh, the Bills are still really good. Jo- like Josh Allen's ridiculous. The, uh, also, the Steelers are terrible. I think the Dolphins are in trouble. I think Trevor Lawrence was flustered by. He must have listened to Brostorm Sports Pod last week and was somewhat flustered by all the hand size talk. Um, I know he has 10 inch hands, but I don't know. He, he, he seems highly erratic. Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz. That's all I'm going to say. And then Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are an unmitigated disaster late in games like that. We watched that game together, but like the him sliding down before the first down line, spiking on third down, having to kick a fourth down field goal with a kicker that everyone knew was going to miss was like just a joke. So those are my other like quick hit takeaways. That's perfect. And and to be clear, Matt Amendola has officially lost games for two different NFL teams this year. So we'll end our NFL takeaways on that. Has he lost, has he lost his job yet? Dude, if he's still on the Cardinals, Cliff's King Cliff Kingsbury needs the trigger that Andy Reid has. Andy Reid's not going to put up with that stuff that long or Brett Veach, I guess more aptly chiefs GM got rid of Amendola before he can hit the team plane. We should see if he wants to intern for bro storm sports. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> are you suggesting that Matt Amendola can do a better job than injured B? We'll have a beer pong. We'll have a beer pong game. <laughs> you know what? We got time. I'll let you respond to that intern P. No, I'm just saying I probably could kick a little bit better than Amendola anyways. But yeah, the beer pong, tough look on tough look on Scott this weekend. He was talking all this crap and didn't really perform. All right. So the wrap on this segment is intern P and Matt Amendola are just gonna switch jobs because they'd both be better at the others. <laughs> And uh, that's going to do it for NFL takeaways. On the other side of the break, we're going to give the the early leader in the Bro Storm Sports favorite segment category. We're going to talk about our best bets, go over last week's stuff, talk about this week's stuff. Stay with us. You're listening to Bro Storm Sports. Anywhere podcasts are found. In the first segment, we gave some NFL takeaways, talked a little bit about the Chiefs game. Now we're going to get into the fan favorite section, best bets. Scott, did any of us get any bets right last week? Before we get to bets, did we, um, between last week and this week, did we get any sponsors for our for our sponsor break? I feel like Fonzie, who sponsored the Bro Store segment last week, May have sent us money for a computer charger. So seems like a little bit of a sponsor. Okay. Okay. Excellent. I've switched to, I'm now going to consistently drink Boulevard wheat on the podcast um, in hopes that they can be our first sponsor. Formal sponsor. I don't want to disparage Fonzie. Pro storming with Boulevard. I feel like there could be a tagline come up with out of that. Um, All right. Uh, results this week. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little. I'll, I'll give a little update, then we can talk about the actual picks. Sasha, you were 0 two this week. Um, you were two and zero last week, so you're two and two on the like officially for the year. Uh, I was one and one this week. I was 0 two last week, so that makes me one and three. 
So I'm clawing back. And intern P was has technically never won a bet on air. Um, he was uh, he was he was an 0-1 the first week. He was a he was a very miserable 0 for two with nothing even coming close this week. I am I am and since you're the boss, Sasha, you can choose to dispute this, but I am going to make an executive decision. And since intern P didn't make a second pick the first week. Uh, I'm going to give him one win for his success in beer pong, which I, I was kidding. He did actually win a lot of beer pong games this weekend. So we're going to call intern P one on one and one for week one. He was zero and two last week. So he is also one and three. So yeah. we're standing at Sasha two and two Scott one and three intern P one and three. I, so I can agree with like that, that, but I would, I would say I wouldn't give your age out, but you kind of gave it up earlier. Anyways, being that you're 38 years old, I feel like the spread on those beer pong games was at least minus five in favor of Pearson, and he didn't cover in most of the games. He did not. I don't think. I don't think he covered. The spread should have been large, but it's fair. We'll give him. We'll give him some credit for his beer pong success. One and three for intern P. One and three for Scott. Two and two for me. And uh, I want to get this fired up fast on the best bet segment uh, today. So we're going to start with intern P today. You got any picks for us? Sorry, Sasha. Can we? Um, I just want to quickly for the listening audience because they're they're making decisions on whether or not to fade. All three of us. Everyone faded me after week one. Um, so, Sasha, you picked the Dolphins to cover against the Jets, which I believe they lost covering three. I think they lost forty to seventeen. Yeah. Um, and then so your second. It was close. And what was your second pick? I had the fighting Dan Campbells again. No, 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 no. That's a no. You had the Lions to cover three against the Patriots. They yeah. lost twenty nine to zero to Bailey Zappi. So neither of those were particularly close. Um, so that's not good. Um, I uh, had Cleveland to cover three points against San Diego, which they did. Um, they lost by two, if if I'm not mistaken. My hypothesis on the game was right, which is that they were going to run the ball down San Diego's throat. Unfortunately, they did. They Jacoby Brissett's their quarterback, and he did a lot of st- dumb stuff at the end of the game. Um, my second pick was the Eagles to cover five against Arizona, and they won by three, so didn't hit that. But uh, the general hypothesis was correct. Intern P picked the Steelers to cover fourteen against the Bills. They did not. They did not even come close to doing that. I'm sorry, Intern P. Um, and then your second pick was the over on the Jaguars Texans game. I don't even know where it was. Probably somewhere in the forty four forties uh, or fifties. There was a total of nineteen points in that game. So you did not do very well this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna modify a line from the Mighty Ducks that P and I's motto is: It's not worth losing if you can't lose. <laughs> You would rather great lose the Ducks, bet great, by twenty. Great Mighty points. Ducks reference for the millennials that are listening to the podcast. For the millennials, he has no idea what that show is. I do. I have seen the Mighty Ducks at least. Intern P knows Gordon Bombay. Mm-hmm. And uh, who? Who is the kid? Who is the one? Oh, Cake Eater. Um, the guy. I. I. I don't know. It's the guy from Dawson thanks. Creek. That's Thanks. all I know. Thanks. Yeah, Banks. He was wrong. Oh, yeah. He was so good yeah. hockey, dude. Oh, my God. Thanks. You know what? Interpe- you got to talk into that mic, dude. some hockey games. We know nothing about hockey, and you know that. 
So just just for the listening audience who's not viewing, uh, he has like an un unwarranted fear that some kind of sound is going to be picked up in his mic while it's sitting in front of him. So he keeps it like above his head and then like perks up in his seat to talk into it when it's time for him to talk. It's a really interesting tactic, but, uh, I mean, they'll be able to, we're going to post this on YouTube this week, right? So they can see, they can see intern T reaching his head, intern T intern P reaching his head outside of the viewing picture to talk into his mic. Yeah. For the viewing public, they will understand just describing it for the listeners. Intern P, what are your picks this week? Is this sound better? Is this better? Or do I need to get closer? Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm really close. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it down. I'm keeping score. Okay. I have a Minnesota minus three at Miami if there's no Tua. That's the big deal. I, it seems like a pretty small line if you got Skylar Thompson out there. Uh, Minnesota looked pretty there's, there's pretty okay last week. Tua's, they're not letting Tua play in that game. Don't okay. disparage Skylar Thompson for the second week in a row on this pod. But go ahead. Shout, shout out to friend friend of the program, Brandon Lang. Very upset that we were disparaging Skylar Thompson last week. And then Skylar Thompson promptly got into the game and um promptly proved why we were why we were disparaging him. Alright, so for my second pick, I'm actually gonna fade myself on this one. So I had Cincinnati plus one and a half. No, minus one and a half against the Saints. And then I think to myself, why is it that low? The Bengals should kill the Saints. So that way, I'm going the opposite. I'm going Saints plus one and a half against the Bengals. I mean, I like the idea of fading yourself. Yes, I'm not a square bet. That's what gets now you. for the listening audience. Do they fade your original pick or fade fade of yourself? That's for the listeners to just for the listeners to decide. All I know is another strong reasoning behind the bet for intern P. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to go against the grain there. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, the Saints were a part of that infamous Lunder bet that you failed miserably on. So keep the train rolling. (laughs) The Lunder down under. Intern P, ladies and gentlemen. Scott, I'm going to go last. What what do you got? You want me to go here? Okay, I have. I'm deciding between three picks, but I'm just gonna go with it with these two. Um, the first is Ravens at Giants. Ravens uh, just beat Cincinnati by one um, or two at home. Um, the Ravens are favored by five and a half at home against the Giants. Um, I still don't think people are valuing what the Giants are doing. I, I I don't think the Giants are probably as good as their four and one record, but the Giants' defensive coordinator is Wink Martin Martindale. He's the he's the longtime coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he knows what the Ravens want to do on offense. He blitzes a ton, um, and Lamar Jackson has tradition. Traditionally, how you fluster Lamar Jackson is you blitz him. That's how that's what teams did against him last year. He has admittedly been a lot better against the blitz this year. Um, but I'm just I'm just betting on Martindale being able to fluster him enough and the Giants being able to run on the Ravens defense enough to cover five and a half at home. So so I'm taking the Giants plus five and a half. That's that's fair. 
Why are you guys laughing at me? I'm laughing because Pearson just blew into his mic and then looked at himself like, oh, I can't believe that made noise. <laughs> What's Dude, your it's an expensive guy? mic. It's going to work if you talk into it. I thought I muted it. Yeah. All right. My second pick. My second pick is uh, in a similar vein. Um, actually, same division-ish. I mentioned the NFC East. So Cowboys at Eagles. Um, Eagles are favored by five and a half. Uh, Eagles just beat uh, the bumbling Cliff Kingsbury's by three. Um, last year, the Cowboys beat the Eagles 41 to 21, 51 to 26 um, in two games. I don't, I don't claim to believe that, that the games are going to be that lopsided. Um, I think Philly's closed the gap. I just don't know that they've closed the gap that much. Philly's Philly's offensive line is pretty banged up, and Dallas has got probably the second best defensive line behind San Francisco in the league. Um, so I think I think the Cowboys' defensive line does some damage against a banged up Philly O line. Uh, and I just think this is a close game, division rivalry. It's probably a three point game. I got the Cowboys covering five and a half against the Eagles. So I can get behind that, provided that Dak Prescott doesn't play. <laughs> I think I agree. I agree. So, I don't uh, think Jerry well, Jones is going to let uh, Dak Prescott play. Do we get to a point, though, like if if Cooper Rush is the presumed starter and the line's one thing, and then the Cowboys announce Dak Prescott is playing and the line goes more in favor of the Eagles, does that say something about that decision? Because I feel like at this point, the way the Cowboys have played the last four weeks and the way they looked week one, Vegas would, at the very least, not move the line if they knew Dak was playing and, if anything, might make it bigger. Yeah, I I don't... I think it's less of a commentary on Dak Prescott than it is on the Cowboys coaching staff. So Cooper rushed through for 100 yards last week, right? And the, and the, Cow, the Cowboys won 22-10. to 10. Their defense scored 10 points. Um, and it's be, it's because Kellen Moore is calling the game completely differently. If he calls that same game plan against Dak Prescott, the outcome, the outcome, or, or with Dak Prescott, the outcome's going to be the same. I think people just worry that they're going to start to get cute. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. It's probably a larger conversation for a larger day. I'm going to give you guys some picks. Pats are plus three at the Browns. Now, Bailey Zappi and the Pats are prescribing to Scott's, I don't think prescribing is the right word, subscribing to Scott's theory of running the ball. Like like we need people to subscribe to this podcast. Yeah, subscription-based model. And the, the Browns still have Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. He He's thrown an interception late in games like three different times. So if you're telling me the Browns have to win outright and win by more than three for, for them to win the bet, and I can actually get points against the Browns, I'm going to take that. So I'll go Patriots plus three at the Browns. And uh, I'm going to take the other side. So you can choose who to fade here. You can make the bet based on your own opinion. But... The Saints, last I checked, are still starting Andy Dalton. Even if they're not, they're starting Jameis Winston. They just beat the Seahawks, but it was like an incredibly close game, incredibly back and forth. The vaunted Saints defense gave up 32 points to Geno Smith, who coincidentally, I guess, is good now. Uh, But 
the the Bengals are two and three now, I believe, and they're not going to want to fall too far out of this playoff race. Just lost a close one to the Ravens, so I will take the Bengals minus one point five, regardless of what some people may call a trap line uh, at the Saints. So Bengals minus one point five. Any thoughts, intern P? Now who we fade in here? I'm confused. I'm really confused now. If we weren't yeah, before, it's going to be a complicated fading situation I mean, for the listening public. What I mean, are I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and put my chips behind Sasha's pick. So see, I don't you know, guys I don't, are squares. That's what they get you. I don't I don't I don't know what that means, but um, we'll see next week. I like I I love two of you guys taking opposite sides of the bet. Awesome. So. Uh, what we learned in best bets this week is none of us are that good at this. Intern P thinks Scott and I are squares. And what we also learned over the course of the week, we bro sourced a little bit. Our female listening public wants to hear a little bit more news that's more sports adjacent outside the NFL. Basically, they want us to talk about Tom Brady and Giselle. So on the other side of the break, we're going to get into some sports adjacent news. Stay with us. Welcome back to Bro Storm Sports. I'm here with Scott Bushka and intern P. I'm Sasha Bushka. We're ready to get into some sports adjacent stuff, but before we do that, we were talking in the break, and intern P wants to explain to everyone what a square is. He feels like Scott and I are such squares that we may not actually know. Well, that's a fair assessment. I'd like I to mean, it's, base, it's basically just going against the like going with the public, like not thinking, like just being like, oh, Bengals, they're good. They're better than the Saints. But you got to think, like, why is it that low? I don't understand. I still don't get it. Sometimes I just recognize square lines. You just got to get inside the minds of the odds makers, is what you're saying, to not be a square. Yeah. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, intern P did provide a detailed analysis behind why he thought the Saints were going to cover that one and a half points. So I trust him. That's you fair. should. What's not to trust? Now well, I, I will I will say that intern P said that the the Dolphins plus three against the Jets last week was a trap line. Mm. And then look what I happened. That. I mean, I recognize a trap line when I see them, but they always trap me. Mm. <laughs> so I'm like uh, a yeah, I'm like plus, a mouse who one, loves cheese. Plus one to intern. I know P. there's a <laughs> mouse trap there, but I'm gonna eat the cheese. <laughs> All right. All right. On to the next. On, the, on to the next thing. Scott was vigorously taking notes in the break, so I assume he's going to have some good insights on this stuff. Uh, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen hired divorce lawyers last week, which is ex- I was going to say exciting, but that might be the wrong term for it. It's exciting if you're an eligible bachelorette or bachelor that lives in the Tampa area, I guess. But. Uh, is this anything, Scott? Yeah, I have I have two takeaways. Um, I don't I don't know if the listening public is going to agree or not, but um, one is like it's it, like the whole. It's interesting to me how everything that's playing out with Tom's Brady's personal life is affecting the Buccaneers and the way their season's going so far. Um, yeah, because it was like it's been a very public. He retired. Looking back on it now, everything makes total sense, right? Like the guy retires. He probably retired because Giselle told him, you have to retire and come spend time with our family. 
45 days later, he's like, I don't want to do this. I still want to play football. He goes back. Then he has a very public 11-day hiatus during training camp. Um, I don't know if you I, – like I just heard this last week, but he takes off every Wednesday um, of the of the um, like the game week, um, which yeah. to me seems like a pretty big deal. So And it's clearly affecting his performance and I would say just like overall team chemistry. Um, so I, I'm sure it is, it is very sad that the two of them are – it looks like they're getting divorced. But in the context of what we do, which is talk about sports, um, I think it's – like it's it's just it's somewhat sad that that their relationship seems to be playing out in public, even though they've done everything they possibly could to not have a play out in public. That's point one. Point two is that Antonio Brown is a crazy, b the worst. Like he has to be the worst teammate or ex teammate that ever existed. Yeah, I don't know if he's trying to get on a team, but he's not doing himself any favors. So. um if you don't know what Scott's referencing there, Antonio Brown basically delivered a tweet. I don't know if that's the right term. He tweeted it. The delivery method was Twitter. Uh, it said, Daddy doesn't live here anymore. A book about divorce. And it was like a picture book picture with a with a caricature of Tom Brady on the front. Just basically making fun of the fact that Tom Brady's getting a divorce. And then there's a picture of a lady and a daughter watching Tom Brady walk away and he's got eye black on it's a whole thing. Antonio Brown is a nut job. So I don't think you really like pay a lot of heed to what he feels about it, but to your larger point, that's exactly what you were talking about, which is this whole thing's playing out in the public eye. And it's gotta be tough to be like trying to have a football season, trying to do your thing on the field and you're in the middle of a divorce and people either feel bad for you and are talking about it, or they're essentially making fun of you. Like in the case of Antonio Brown, uh, to the larger point, it's like puts another feather in the cap of like Tom Brady probably loves football more than anybody ever has in the history of football. Yeah. Like to yeah. sacrifice so essentially. Good. Yeah. He essentially sacrifices marriage to a supermodel who makes millions of dollars a year. And, Essentially, like every dude in America would want to be married to her, just so he could and play another the, forty-five. Also, the mother season. to his children. Don't forget that. What's that? I said also the mother to his children. Yes, Don't the mother that. to his children. <laughs> exactly. As as the intro states, Scott probably just got done putting a bunch of kids to bed, so he knows what that's all about. Any thoughts, intern P? I did not even know who she was, except for Tom Brady, but she is very attractive, and I would. Very much be in her Twitter DMs if I could get in there. <laughs> I mean, Twitter DMs is the only way to pick up chicks. As as yeah, in, I mean, you own the social media account, so why not? It's yeah, follow her, follow our socials, follow our socials at Brosum Sports. Yeah, at Brosum Sports on Insta and Twitter. Yep. Before we get shut down by Giselle's lawyers, <laughs> follow him quick. Um, it's interesting that P also said like he didn't know who she was outside of being Tom Brady's wife. And I feel like I'm kind of in the same boat, but I guess that's just looking at the world through a sports lens and nothing else. And that's all we worry about. Cause by all accounts, she's maybe even more famous than Tom Brady. Right. To the general public. So, right. There's our, uh, Tom Brady. Where, where is she from? Do you know? Obligatory Tom Brady section. We'll try to come back to it every week. Ladies. 
Yeah, exactly. We got to keep the female listeners involved. And I don't know if like talking about sliding into Giselle's DMs was the best way to do that, but at least we made an effort. (laughs) The one other piece of news we wanted to get to on the sports news, but not necessarily on the field or on the court today was, uh, and I don't remember exactly when this happened, but it's been since the last time we recorded. If not, we didn't talk about it last time, so don't worry about it. Draymond Green basically knocked the lights out of his teammate Jordan Poole during a Warriors practice and now is taking some time away from the team. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I feel like Draymond Green is is only slightly less of a nut job than Antonio Brown. I mean, it, this was not this was not good, um, and I don't and I don't know if I don't know if people have seen the video, but it, this was not like it was not a push or like a practice scuff scuff like he cold cocked him in the face, um, you know, after the two of them were talking trash in practice, so it's it's not great. I'm I am I like the rest of the you know people who follow the NBA world are struggling to see how the Warriors come back to this. I mean, all I keep thinking about is like, if you're the Warriors coaching staff and ownership and Steph Curry, it's like, can you imagine a worse thing that happened to a worse thing to happen at the start of the year? Um, when you're trying to defend a title and all you have to do is like keep team chemistry together. Um, you got a bunch of good players. You got young stars, one of which is Jordan Poole, and Draymond green does like goes and does this. And it basically like, throws the team chemistry into disarray. Um, so it's, it's not great. Like I, I've seen a couple things, which is like, who do you extend Draymond or Jordan pool? Like if you ask me, that answer is easy. I know what Draymond does for them on the court. Um, I know he is like a unique offensive player in terms of the way that he facilitates their offense around Steph Curry. Um, but he's also an aging, you know, power forward but he's actually six seven and when he can't jump and move like he can when he was younger like like the to me the answer is simple jordan pool so i'd like i just i don't know where he goes from here but it's not a, it's not a good situation yeah one of the things i found interesting about the whole thing is like steve kerr's basically only comments about the thing is why in the hell did the video get leaked he's more worried about the investigation of how it got out and essentially he said i've in my 30 plus years or whatever in the NBA, I've seen something like this probably 20 times, which I don't think it's true because we don't see videos come out like this often. And it was an aggressive, like hard punch that could legitimately hurt someone bad. So uh, it's interesting the tact he's taking on it. Obviously, they're making a little bit of a deal out of it because Draymond Green is currently taking time away from the team. Um, and it's going to give some decisions to the Warriors moving forward. Uh, that you alluded to there um, and, and Draymond Green's usefulness in the NBA to be frank is probably coming towards its end like maybe a, a year or two left and so and he he probably wants a max deal or something so I really can't see him being on the Warriors past this year and, and the question is can you salvage this year and make another run at a title yeah it's interesting I I tend to probably um, believe Steve Kerr's comments more than you. Like, like I don't like one one interesting takeaway is I think you even asked me this weekend. You're like, how did TMZ get that video? 
it's like I, I'm sure stuff like this has happened before in in, in NBA practices. It just goes back to something we've talked about often, which is like athletes are living in the world of social media where like everything's on tape and everything is. And if it's on tape, it's out to the public immediately for public consumption, which is like we talk about this all the time. But if Michael Jordan would have gone through his career like, you know, in in today's day and age versus in the early late 80s, early 90s, like there probably would have been a lot of shit about what he was you know, out and about and doing quite, quite frankly, like he probably hit a few people in practice. You it's know? actually so, known thing that he did punch Steve Kerr in a practice. Yeah. Which and might uh, skew Steve Kerr's view of the whole situation. Like I got punched in the face by Michael Jordan. Maybe more people should get punched in the face. Cause yeah. I have a ton of time. It actually in a uh, April 23, 2020, Michael Jordan, just for the record. I'm sure that April 20, I'm sure that mentally he thinks he is. Pearson, what happened on April twenty third, twenty twenty? You look like you want. It to was say just it. no, no, no. I just didn't want to interrupt. It was just literally. It says Michael Jordan punched me in the face. Helped the relationship. Like that's just not a thing that yeah. actually happens. And it's, and, it's and to be thing. clear, I take Steve Kerr at his word. I like. I just question whether that should be the biggest point of the whole situation is whether or not the video got leaked. Like, maybe he should take it a little bit more seriously, but. Yeah, I, I um I agree. I also this is probably like a non sequitur. Sorry for using that word, but but I also just it makes me think about how I always think about how crazy it is that LeBron has essentially lived for twenty years in like the modern media era and nothing like n- nothing like this has ever come out about him, which which I think probably says a lot about him and his character. Fair enough. Some LeBron love in the pod. Okay, that's going to do it for the Bro Storm Sports Podcast this week. The number one piece of feedback that we got from all of our listeners that listened to the first episode, which we really appreciate, was maybe keep it a little bit shorter. So I don't know exactly how I feel about that, but we'll oblige and we'll end it right there. If you've listened this far, it means you liked something you heard. So hop on wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Follow us on the socials. Thanks for giving us a chance. We'll see you next time.